eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for giving us another opportunity to be among the living and the privilege to listen to your word. Glory be unto your name, dear Lord. Sacred, reverent, and important truths stand before us right now. And without the aid of your Holy Spirit, we are incapable of understanding. Without the aid of your Holy Spirit, I am incapable of speaking about these matters. Therefore, Lord, we ask, grant us graciously of your Spirit. Your children who are listening, impress the truths to their hearts, O Lord, through your Holy Spirit. And I who will be speaking, help me to handle this topic with the reverence, solemnity, and sacredness which it deserves. Therefore, grant me of your spirit and put your words in my mouth as I speak. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. January 5. Christ, the eternal word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1 verse 13 Christ, the Word, the only begotten of God, was one with the Eternal Father, one in nature, in character, in purpose. The only being that could enter into all the counsels and purposes of God. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And the Son of God declares concerning himself, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting. When he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him, as one brought up with him. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, Micah chapter 5 verse 2, Proverbs chapter 8 verse 22 to 30. The Father wrought by His Son in the creation of all heavenly beings. By Him were all things created, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 Angels are God's ministers, radiant with the light ever flowing from His presence and speeding on rapid wing to execute his will. But the Son, the anointed of God, the express image of his person, the brightness of his glory, upholding all things by the word of his power, holds supremacy over them all. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 Christ was God essentially, and in the highest sense. The Lord Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, existed from eternity, a distinct person, yet one with the Father. He was the surpassing glory of heaven. 
he was the commander of the heavenly intelligences and the adorning homage of the angels was received by him as his right there are light and glory in the truth that christ was one with the father before the foundation of the world was laid this is the light shining in a dark place making it resplendent with divine original glory amen the title of our devotion for today is christ the eternal word and our key text is taken from the book of john chapter 1 verse 1 and down to verse 3 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made this devotion is about christ's eternality or his pre-existence and his oneness or equality with the father and what that means to us so we're going to be looking at two things what is the nature of our lord jesus christ and what does it mean to us those are the two things we'll be looking at so let's get into the word of god today there's so much debate as to both the humanity and the divinity of jesus christ the word but our understanding of the nature of christ is crucial to our salvation and it is important that whatever is revealed about him through the word of god should be accepted we must know jesus and know him aright because that is life eternal to have a false conception of jesus is to put our salvation and our eternal life in jeopardy for jesus says in the book of john 17 verse 3 and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true god and jesus christ whom thou hast sent so if we do not know jesus christ as we should we will not have eternal life we have already seen in our previous devotions how we are to search deeply into the word of god a superficial understanding of the nature of Christ is not enough because the Pharisees and the scribes had a superficial understanding of Jesus and that is why Jesus said they could not enter into the kingdom of God and we need to know a deep understanding of Jesus so let us examine the nature of Christ as the eternal word why do we say he is the eternal word because that is what the word reveals about him that is why as we read in our key text, John the Beloved, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes concerning Jesus, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So, let us learn lessons from this text. For Jesus, who is the Word, because later on John said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word he was referring to is the man, Jesus Christ. So we take that very clearly. There's no debate as to who the Word being referred to here, who was in the beginning with God and was God. There's no debate as to who he was referring to. It is Jesus. So let us see what this statement of John, spoken under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, means to us. For Jesus to be at the beginning, then he is eternal. And also for John under the inspiration to say that the Word was God. It then follows that the Word, Jesus Christ, is eternal because God is eternal. And for Jesus to be God, therefore Jesus is eternal. 
In verse 14 of John chapter 1, John then says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So in our key text today, John says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and then he proceeds to explain that the person he's referring to is Jesus. In these words, we get an understanding of the divinity of Jesus. We see his origin, nature, and character. As for his origin, based on what we have read, because he is God, therefore he is eternal, and equal to that of God the Father. His origin, whatever it is, it is equal to that of God the Father. Because when he says the Word was with God, the, the God being referred to there is the Father. And as for his nature, he was the Word, in the same nature as God. And as for his character, it is the character of God the Father. John compares him to God, being God the Father, and makes us understand that the Word, Jesus Christ, was and is everything that the Father is. Hence he says, the Word was God. Let us examine another scripture, another very potent testimony of the eternality and the oneness or equality of Jesus with the Father is the testimony of Isaiah. He testifies saying in Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So let us examine this text. It talks of a child that is born who shall have the government on his, show, on his shoulders and he is called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Salem, the Prince of Peace because that's what peace is, Salem. Jerusalem, the city of peace. The Prince of Peace is Jesus. The son being referred to here that is born is he who will come to die for the sins of men, which is Jesus Christ. He is born, therefore he is a man. But then he is the everlasting Father and the mighty God, which means he is equal with God. What higher title could be bestowed on any man greater than this? He is not just called the mighty God as a part of the Godhead, but he is also called exactly what the other member of the Godhead is called, and that is what? The everlasting father showing clearly his equality or oneness with god and his eternality we read the following in our devotion reading that i may know him page 11 paragraph 2 christ the word the only begotten of god was one with the eternal father one in nature in character in purpose the only being that could enter into all the counsels and purposes of god his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace his goings forth have been from of old from everlasting amen end of quote Concerning this oneness, because we just read here now that it says he was one in nature, in character, and in purpose with the Father. Concerning this oneness or equality with the Father, John still testifies concerning Jesus, saying in the book of 1 John 5 verse 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. It cannot get any clearer than that. These three are one. That's what John says. 
the Father is one with the Son, which is the Word. And we'll proceed to understand what this means to us. Reading from the Review and Herald, April 5, 1906, we are told, but while you can also find it in Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 441, paragraph 2. We are told, but while God's word speaks of the humanity of Christ when upon this earth, it also speaks decidedly regarding his pre-existence. The word existed as a divine being, even as the eternal Son of God in union and oneness with his Father. From everlasting, he was the mediator of the covenant, the one in whom all nations of the earth, both Jews and Gentiles, if they accepted him, were to be blessed. The word was with God and the word was God. Before men or angels were created, the word was with God and the word was God. End of quote. Another one is Desire of Ages, page 19. We are told, from the days of eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ was one with the Father. He was the image of God, the image of his greatness and majesty, the outshining of his glory. End of quote. What does this mean to us? It doesn't say that Jesus had the beginning. It says from the days of eternity. So when you talk of eternity, that is where God the Father exists. He doesn't have a beginning. And that is the days of eternity. From those days, the days of eternity is before time began. That is the days of eternity. God created time. What we know as time today was created by God. And before time was eternity. And from those days of eternity, the Lord Jesus, we read here, was one with the Father. Another one we find in the Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 1, page 17. He was one with the Father before the angels were created. But then we read the following words from our High Calling, page 48, paragraph 6. It says, The humanity of the Son of God is everything to us. It is the golden chain that binds our souls to Christ and through Christ to God. End of quote. All I have been reading since has been talking of the divinity of Jesus. Except the Bible passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 that talks about the child that is born, which is talking of the humanity of Jesus. Now, this quote I just read said that this humanity of the Son of God is everything to us because it's a golden chain that binds our souls to Christ and through Christ to God. Now that we have understood the eternality of Jesus and its consequences, we also have to understand the reason why the humanity of Jesus is everything to us. And this is the beautiful part of our study today. So let's listen to this so that we can meditate on it. Now let us not miss this lesson. In Philippians chapter 2, we hear of Paul talking about the humanity of Jesus. He says, If there be any, therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore god also had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name i'll stop there that's verse 9. why have i read this this passage tells us of a time when jesus took upon himself humanity he was equal with god he thought it not robbery to be equal with god but he chose to take human nature he chose to take a form less than that of the father without the divinity of jesus his humanity will not mean much to us but when we understand that the man jesus is the everlasting father in whom dwelleth immortality life original unborrowed and underived we have hope that our belief in him will secure an immortal inheritance a life that measures with the life of god himself reading from the faith i live by page 46 paragraph 6 to 8 we are told he that's jesus was equal with god infinite and omnipotent but he humbled himself and took mortality upon him as a member of the human family he was mortal but as a god he was the fountain of life to the world he could in his divine person ever have withstood the advances of death and refused to come under its dominion but he voluntarily laid down his life that in so doing he might give life and bring immortality to light he bore the sins of the world and endured the penalty which rode like a mountain upon his divine soul he yielded up his life a sacrifice that man should not eternally die he died not through being compelled to die but by his own free will and this wonderful mystery the incarnation of christ and the atonement that he made must be declared to every son and daughter of adam end of quote let this knowledge of the, hum of the humiliation of Jesus have a humbling effect on us all. Paul said that he would count all things but loss, that he may attain the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This knowledge is not a mere intellectual ascent to the truth, but the transformation of the heart which we experience in light of the truth. To have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ is to know that the everlasting Father, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the mighty God, is the same man, Jesus, who condescended to be born of a sinful woman, to walk the earth and live a life of toil and poverty, subject himself to be spoken to harshly and disrespectfully by the men whom he created, and subject himself to suffer and die a shameful death on the cross. For when we do understand intellectually the condescension of the mighty God, the everlasting Father himself, we ask ourselves, what need do we have to be haughty? to carry ourselves in pride as though we were undeserving of trials and humiliating experiences. Under the knowledge that, you know sometimes you say Jesus died for us, let us say the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God died for us. How does that sound to you? That the everlasting Father humbled himself to die for you and for me. Under this knowledge, the soul that is so sensitive to insult is humbled 
should be humbled and should note his self-important ideas of himself. With such a knowledge of Jesus as this, we ask ourselves, who am I that I should always be self-protective and complain of any hardship or insult done to me when the mighty God was insulted, mocked and shamefully treated under the hands of his own subjects? Let us lose sight of self and as we behold the eternal God, the, the mighty God, the eternal Father, Jesus Christ, humiliating himself under the death of the cross, shameful death. As we behold that, let us lose sight of self and be transformed into the same image. Let that mind be in us. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but let us all esteem others better than ourselves. This was the mind of Christ, and this is the mind that should be in us. He was equal with the Father, but voluntarily submitted to be under the Father. He did not think that he must retain that high position, but counted it as nothing and humbled himself to be a man, that he may uplift me and you. This is an essential part of what is called the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the humility of Jesus is so great that many consider it unbelievable. They cannot get themselves to believe that the great God, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, will subject himself to such shameful treatment. Like it was after the resurrection of Jesus, so it is today, many are still doubting. In Matthew 28 verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, where, where Jesus appointed them. And verse 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Till today, some are doubting that Jesus is the everlasting Father. That is the problem. People are still doubting it. Reading from Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, page 440, paragraph 2, we are told, If men reject the testimony of the inspired scriptures concerning the deity of Christ, it is vain to argue, to argue the point with them, for no argument, however conclusive, could convince them. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 None who hold this error can have a true conception of the character or the mission of Christ or of the great plan of God for man's redemption. End of quote. Wow. There are people who are debating today that Jesus is not equal. They use words like he is not co-equal or co-eternal with the Father. And this quote is telling us that those who are rejecting the divinity of Jesus, or not just the divinity, anything at all that the Word of God says, the testimony of the Scriptures concerning the deity of Christ, 1 John 5 verse 7, he is one with the Father. If you reject that, Isaiah 9 verse 6, he is called the eternal Father, the mighty God. John 1 verse 1 to 3, he is called God himself. And every other thing that is revealed about Jesus. You reject it, you don't have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is pointless to argue with you because many such people love to argue. And he says none who hold this error can have a true conception of the character or the mission of Christ or of the great plan of God for man's redemption. Talk about superficial knowledge. Anyone who doesn't understand this, you are not attaining to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the reason why the humanity of Christ is everything to us is because of his divinity. Jesus said in the book of John 17 verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. 
and in john 6 verse 39 and 40 i want us to combine this remember jesus said eternal life is to know him and the father that is eternal life not to know one of them but two of them to know the true god and jesus christ who is the true god it is jesus christ this is eternal life that they might know thee he was talking to his father at that time he was in prayer with the father that they might know thee so he was referring to the father the true god and jesus christ whom thou hast sent the eternal father himself now have that in mind while we read john 6 verse 39 and 40 in john 6 verse 39 and 40 hear what jesus says concerning eternal life he said and this is the father's will which had sent me remember in john 17 verse 3 that they might know thee and jesus christ whom thou hast sent so he's talking about his his mission and this is the father's will which had sent me that of all which he had given me i should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and i will raise him up at the last day do you know that this comment is potent with power here we see jesus promising immortality to all who believe in him but who alone has immortality again what does the bible say first timothy 6 verse 15 and 16 says which in his times he shall show who is the blessed he's talking of jesus now that's the subject in his times as in jesus's times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the king of kings and lord of lords who only had immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man had seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting amen so what does this tell us about immortality it says it is only one person that has it and that is god first timothy 6 verse 15 the subject there is talking about god that he is the only person that had immortality but what did we see jesus promising to us he was promising immortality in john 6 verse 39 and 40 he said i will raise him up in other words i will give immortality to you to humans after the death of lazarus when jesus came four days later to bethany his discussion with martha was as follows in john 11 verse 20 to 27 it says then martha as soon as she heard that jesus was coming went and met him but mary still sat in the house then said martha unto jesus lord if thou hast been here my brother had not died but i know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of god god will give thee jesus said unto her thy brother shall rise again martha said unto him i know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day jesus said unto her i am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believest thou this she said unto him yea lord i believe that thou art christ the son of god who shall come into the world amen once again we see jesus promising eternal life not promising it just through the father he said i will raise him up i am the resurrection and the life i am life i am resurrection i will give immortality that's what jesus is saying we see him promising immortality to those who believe in him who is it again that has immortality in him alone it said there that it was god and jesus here is saying that he can do it it is jesus christ the everlasting father the mighty god he is the only person that has immortality in him 
Reading from the book, The Desire of Ages, page 530, it says, Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. In Christ is life, original, unborrowed, underived. He that hath the Son hath life. The divinity of Christ is the believer's assurance of eternal life. Amen. That divinity of Christ is very important because it is only through that divinity that the man Jesus can give us eternal life. Reading again from Signs of the Time, June 17, 1897, paragraph 5. It says, A human being lives, but his is a given life, a life that will be quenched. What is your life? It is even vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished away. But Christ's life is not a vapor. It is never ending, a life existing before the worlds were made. End of quote. So let us analyze what it means for Christ's life to be underived, unborrowed, and original. If the life of Christ was not an immortal life that was original, underived, and unborrowed, which means he was given life by the Father, like some people say, that he was created by the Father, he was given his life. It is not originally for him. If that is the case, there is no way that he can give the same life to any man. For no one can give what they do not have originally and unborrowed. Angels have eternal life, but their eternal life is not original because it is borrowed and derived from Jesus Christ, their Creator. Hence, in making a sacrifice for man, it was necessary that not an angel but the mighty God, the everlasting Father, in whom alone dwelleth immortality, died for sinful man. Because it is the kind of life that was exchanged that will be given. Christ, the eternal God, is the source of eternal life. And if we cannot get ourselves to believe that he is the eternal God, but think that we will relegate him even a little below the Father, saying that he is not co-equal and co-eternal with the Father, we cannot receive the blessing he has promised to us. And I hope we are getting the point here. If you don't believe that Christ's life is original, underived, unborrowed, which means he was not created, he was not given life by the Father, then how can he give you eternal life that he does not have? The angels in heaven cannot give you what they don't have. They don't have unborrowed, original life. So they cannot give it. The nature of the life that was sacrificed for us is the kind of life that we can get. The person who died had to be eternal before he can give you eternal life because it is the life that was exchanged for you and me that we get. The person who died on the cross, the life that was taken was somebody who had that eternal life which is Jesus Christ. And that is the reason that he can give it to us. Our devotion title is that I may know him. And it was Paul who made that comment. Let us read it again. Philippians 3 verse 8 to 10. Yet doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made what conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Do you understand the power of this point? Do you understand what Paul is actually trying to say here? It is in this sense 
that we may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. If the life that was in Jesus is not equal to that of the Father, original, underived, unborrowed, he could have no power to resurrect us, and our faith in him is vain. Do you know Jesus as equal to the Father or less than him? If you don't know him as equal, you cannot be conformable to his death and attain the resurrection of, his, of, of, that, of that death. It was better you never knew him at all than to say you know him and relegate his life to be less than that of the Father, not original but borrowed and derived. To know Jesus as the everlasting Father and the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the eternal God, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is to understand some part of the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. For if Jesus, Jesus did not have immortality and eternal life, we cannot attain unto the resurrection of the dead we cannot be conformable unto his death because if you are conformed to his death, you be conformed to his life and his life is eternal. Like I said, angels cannot die for us no matter how holy they are and then give us eternal life because their life is only eternal because it's depending on Jesus Christ. Lucifer is an angel but he's going to die. The angels that sinned with him in heaven, they are all going to die. Their life is not originally eternal. It is dependent on God. The only person who has original eternal life is God the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Their life is original, unborrowed, underived. And that is why you need to understand the depth of this knowledge that the eternal Father and no other person had to die. Because the life that was to be given to us is the one that was, that was, that was sacrificed. And the one that was sacrificed had to be an original life from the owner of life itself, so that he can give to us eternal life. Reading from Signs of the Times, January 5, 1915, paragraph 5 and 6, we are told, The Redeemer of the world clothed his divinity with humanity, that he might reach humanity. For to bring to the world salvation, it was necessary that humanity and divinity should be united. Divinity needed humanity, that humanity might afford a channel of communication between God and man. And humanity needed divinity, that power from above might restore man to the likeness of God. And mind you, angels are not divinity in the sense we are reading it now. They are not. Christ was God. I'm continuing the reading now. It says, Christ was God, but he did not appear as God. He veiled the tokens of divinity which had commanded the homage of angels and called for the adoration of the universe of God. He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. For our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich." End of quote. My brothers and my sisters, do you want to know God? Do you want to know Jesus whom he had sent? That you may have eternal life then you cannot relegate jesus to say he doesn't have eternal life originally for it is only he that has eternal life that can give it to us we need to have the excellency of the knowledge of jesus christ and part of that is what we have just read and studied that we should understand that the eternal god jesus christ is the same man that died on the cross for us so that he can give us eternal life. For only the eternal God 
can give eternal life. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessings you've given to us in your word. Such sacred, reverent, holy topics we've talked about. We pray, Father, that you will help us to understand it even better than we have. Help us, Father, to appreciate the knowledge of Jesus Christ as our eternal Father, as the mighty God, as the Prince of Peace, and yet as our Redeemer, the Son of Man. Thank you for what you've done for us. Help us to have a deeper understanding of the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we may have eternal life. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.